Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt shares some encouragement on staying connected to Christ. I am connected to the vine that is Jesus. It is the sap, the nourishment, the life of Christ through that faith connection that is keeping my spiritual life alive. It is Christ in me. The condition, friend, of your soul should be the highest priority and care in your life. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. As Christians, we sometimes face spiritual challenges or a crisis that tests our faith. But when we take the time to recall the benefits of following Jesus, it can reignite our passion and revitalize our connection to Him. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt helps us by highlighting the benefits of staying connected to Jesus. It's a message from the Upper Room series. You can listen online at The Journey. FM. Here's Pastor Steve. So how are we as Christians in relationship with, with Jesus? This is how, this is, this is where Jesus goes. And so what Jesus does here is he uses a very simple illustration uh, that we began last week in John 15. And his point is how critical it is that we remain committed, remain connected to Christ. So there's a lot of ways we could go with this. Today, I just want to walk the text and uh, to see why is it that Jesus says, you got to stay connected to me, and what are the benefits of doing so? And so our text is 15, John 15, verses 6 through 11. So the benefits of staying connected to Jesus. I'm going to walk the text. Here's the first one. I avoid what happens if I don't. Look again at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. I don't know about you, but that sounds undesirable. True regeneration is a work of God. It is a work of God in the heart and the life of the sinner upon which God makes a promise. And since our salvation is guaranteed by God's promise and power, no true Christian will ever finally and ultimately disconnect from Christ. Uh, and to that, I would also add that just like your vine or your bush or your tree at home, where you have branches that grow in ways you rather they wouldn't, people that are truly connected to Jesus can at times sin spectacularly. Yet, because of God's power and promise, and I want you to hear that, we are saved by God's power and promise, not by us. It is not because we have such an awesome grip on God. It is because God has an, uh, such an awesome grip on us that we remain saved. Left to ourselves, we wouldn't stay saved till Tuesday. But the focus of the Bible is that salvation is a God thing, and he has guaranteed that he who began the work will carry it on to completion. I mean, what if somebody does abandon Jesus completely? 
or in this illustration, seems to be connected to Jesus, but is bearing no spiritual fruit at all. There is no life change at all. There is little, if any, affection for God or Jesus, his word, the church, the gospel, etc. Well, here is the logic. Because of God's promise to keep us saved, for somebody in this situation, either God's the liar or they're the liar. Our theology trusts God, not us. But lest we think that we're the ones gripping the vine, it is God who is gripping us. And we are kept in salvation by the promise and the power of God. Our hope is in the Lord who is working his good work in us. And so because of that then, all genuine Christians will remain with Jesus until they die. Now, I spent time on that because that's a common question. But there are a lot of other benefits than avoiding something you don't want that Jesus has here, and I want to get to these as well. Verse seven, quickly, answered prayer. When you're connected to the vine, the vine hears the cries of your, your heart. Verse eight, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You know what an awesome benefit and blessing of being connected to Jesus is that we have the high and holy privilege of bearing spiritual fruit in our life that the God of heaven takes pleasure in and is glorified by. When we realize what it means to be connected to the spiritual nuclear power plant that is Jesus Christ, bam! And to imagine that you could be connected to him and your life not change at all for your faith to just bleh, it'll never happen. Not because of the, the branch, but because of the power of the vine. Christ in me means spiritual power is on. It's on. And connected to Jesus, things will change. But I want you to be encouraged that the, the expectations and the hopes that God has for you in your life, the resources for that are fully provided by the life and power of Christ, which spiritually now is coursing through your spiritual veins. You can and will bear fruit. Fruit like what? Well, here's some more of the benefits. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. He has loved us, Jesus that is, has loved us like the Father in eternity past within the Trinitarian relationship, like the Father loved him. He, he took that experience of the Father's love and treated us with that same divine love. The love of God is, it's not a sentimental love. Uh, it's not a, you know, be my valentine kind of love. This is eternal, divine, covenantal love experienced between the Father and the Son. It is perfect. It is selfless. It is a love that delights in the joy of the other. And Jesus again says, I've loved you the way the Father's loved me. And the ultimate expression of that love would happen 18 hours from when he said these words in the upper room. As Jesus 
gave his life in love for us. He's gonna say in a few verses, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus is the best friend we've ever had. He gave his life, not just for us, but for our sin and for our salvation. His love is the greatest love that we can ever know. And so in, in salvation, we experience this divine love from Christ as he treats us as the Father treated him. In and through the gospel of salvation, we experience this love. In love, Jesus came for us. In love, Jesus lived for us. In love, Jesus died for us. In love, Jesus was resurrected for us. In love, Jesus went to heaven so the Holy Spirit could come. In love, he intercedes for us. In love, he's coming back. And so the result of that for the Christian who's connected to perfect love is that we treasure it and we relish it and we remember the days when we lived without it. And that love continues to be then a treasure to us. We, we love the taste of God's love in the Lord's Supper we wonder at God's love. We, we, we never get over it, and we certainly would never walk away from it. Rather, we abide in it. Verse 10, it goes on. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Not only do we have a relish for the love of Christ, but it produces in us also a moral relishing, a relishing of the moral life of Christ, such that we want to obey his commands. Now, lots of people get this wrong, okay? There are millions of people gathering in churches and other kinds of religions where they think it is the keeping of the commands that produces the abiding in the love. No, this always fails because sinners always sin. And we never think like I'm good enough then to be connected to the vine. It is not, it is this, this obedience is not the condition of it, okay? It doesn't establish it. It doesn't earn it. Rather, it flows from the connection. It is the byproduct of the nourishment of Jesus, the, the moral life of Jesus within us. And so what we see here is then that like makes like. And the perfect moral ethical life of Jesus, nourishing our branch, produces in us, like makes like, a moral care and concern, a desire to obey like Jesus obeyed his heavenly father. The character of Jesus is passed on to us on the branch and we actually care about it. So if somebody claims to be a Christian, but there's no moral concern, there's no worry about disobeying a command of God who gives a rep. Say, you say you're an apple tree, but I, I'm seeing cherries. I'm seeing cherries here. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying here. Now, just to explain this a little bit further, and this is always the challenge, is that Christians continue to sin. And so you're like, well, at what point have I sinned so much that I maybe am not a part of the, the vine anymore? It's not so much that we stop sinning, it's that we want to stop sinning. 
Even though by our sin nature, we can't ultimately and finally until glorification. But we don't want to sin even though we do. If you go to the Lake County Fair, like my family and I did, you can go to the pig barn like we did. And they have young people, 4-H people, that are showing pigs. If you've not seen this, this is something you really should do once in your life. So here are all these pigs, and these pigs are gleaming. They are clean. They are sparkly. How they clean these pigs, I have no idea. These are the cleanest pigs you've ever seen in your life at the fair. They also have sheep, I think. And the sheep are also very clean. But there's a big difference between sheep and pigs. Pigs can be clean but they, they really want to be in the mud. You can clean up a pig temporarily, but he's going to go right back into the mud because he wants to be in the mud. A sheep could be in the mud, but it wants to be clean. A Christian used to be a pig, but now is a sheep when it comes to sin. A sinner and a sin nature wants to sin. But in Christ, we are given a new desire and as much as we wish we didn't, we sin, but we want to be morally pure. We want to keep God's commands. We want to obey him. And that desire, even though it is an imperfect one, is an indication that I am connected to the vine. That help? Pigs and sheep, young people, maybe that, that's the one takeaway for you. I'll say afterwards, what's the application from the sermon? We got to go to the fair. I don't think you got what I was dishing there. All right. Here's the last blessing that Jesus lists. And what a wonderful one it is. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Get this, friends. Connection to Jesus means the capacity for overflowing joy. And who here couldn't use a little more joy in their life? That sounds great to me. I don't know about you. What is joy, by the way? Here's how I define it. Enduring gladness in God despite life circumstances. Enduring gladness in God, not in life circumstances. Those stink oftentimes. But I continue to be glad in God and glad in Jesus. A happiness in God. Now, you might say, I'm a little confused here because if I'm connected to the vine and Jesus is the vine, I've gone to a lot, I've seen a lot of Jesus movies and I've, I've seen the paintings about Jesus. He always looks sad. He's stiff as a board. Jesus was not a joyful person. And you would be so very much wrong. Now, that is not to say that Jesus was a silly person. He certainly wasn't. But the kind of joy we're talking about here is not silly. In the words of C.S. Lewis, joy is the serious business of heaven. God is glad. Jesus is joy. Hebrews 12 says that it was the joy set before him that motivated him to endure the cross and all of its shame. I do think one of the surprising sounds of heaven will be the robust laughter of the Son of God. And as I think about so many that I know here in my own life, 
I think few things would improve our spirituality more than an appreciation for the joy of God and the joy he has in us. I see this all the time, you know, with two kids now, I end up at all these children's events. And one of the things you can always count on at, at, these, at these events is that if the kids are involved, people's phones are out, right? It's a kid's gathering and you just see all these phones. Everyone's recording every brilliant word uttered, every athletic genius displayed. We must record this for the museum in their honor someday. And one of the things that I've noticed as I observe this is without exception, when a parent has that camera out and they're filming their child, they have a smile on their face. Why is that? Because the parent is deriving joy from the words, the play, the whatever of the child and probably thinking, you know, that kid reminds me of me a little bit. And parents like that. And so does God. Can you see God looking down even into the room right now? Oh, look, oh, look, his moral decision reminds me of me. Oh, look, her sacrifice for others reminds me of me, that God gives joy to us and derives joy from us. He doesn't have a phone, but he does have a smile. He does have a smile. I was at a luncheon last, uh, last year and the author Philip Yancey was there. Some of you might know his name. And we were allowed to ask questions. And I asked uh, Philip Yancey, um, a question. I asked him, what led you out of the strict fundamentalist Christianity of your childhood? And he's written a biography. You can read it if you'd like. It was a harsh, very harsh uh, Christianity. His brother walked away from the faith largely, I think, because of that. But I'll never forget his answer. This is what he said to my question. He said, reading the Bible, I came to realize that at the center of the universe was not a frown, but a smile. G.K. Chesterton said that joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian life. Did you know that joy is listed in the fruits of the spirit, also in Galatians? And by the way, it's number two in the list, right behind love. So one huge blessing of staying connected to Jesus is there is a source a nourishing of gladness in God despite life circumstances. There is a supernatural, if you will, joy that we can derive from the life of Christ. And so I wanna ask you today, how's your joy? How's that joy factor in you? Because if you're connected to the vine and that vine is pulsating with joy, there's joy to be had, no matter what pain or suffering you brought into this room today. There is joy and gladness in God. And I would encourage you to ask God for joy, to realize 
and, and bringing it all together here, that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. So his character is what he is providing to us. And when we receive him by faith, and I would urge everybody here to trust in Christ as your savior by faith, when we do, we are receiving from Jesus all that we need. And those include answered prayer and a life of fruit bearing and a relish of love and purity and enduring joy. So to ask the question, where are you deriving your nourishment? What promises, what person are you trusting in, deriving hope in? Because there are a lot of vines out there that are making all kinds of promises to you. Connect here, trust here, worship here. Put your hope in your politics, in your career, in your money, your family, your success. But none of them can produce in us what Jesus can produce in us. So I would urge all of us to make it our priority to maximize that connection, to, to draw all that we can from the nourishment and the power of Christ, not leaving him, but loving him more and more and bearing fruit. Stay connected to Jesus. Now I'm gonna conclude with my all-time favorite illustration of this. And uh, if you've been around here very long, you've probably heard this before, but I don't have one better, so I'm gonna use it again, okay? So this is my best illustration of perseverance, how it works. Some of you, I'm sure not all of you, have seen the old movie, Ben-Hur. An old movie, I'm not even sure what year it came out, but in this old movie, Charlton Heston plays Ben-Hur. And there's a famous scene where there's a chariot race and there's these wild horses that are pulling these chariots and it's a crazy race. And so to get ready for the scene, Charlton Heston kept practicing driving the chariot and the horses. And he was having a hard time with it. And finally, he goes to the uh, director, uh, Cecil B. DeMille, and he says, I think I can drive the horses, but I don't know if I can win the race. And DeMille looks at him and he says, Heston, you stay in the race and I'll make sure you win. So stay in the race, stay connected, amen. Amen. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and the conclusion of a message titled, The Benefits of Staying Connected to Jesus. We're almost to the halfway point of our series called The Upper Room. But if you're just tuning in, you can access every message in this series on our website, thejourney.fm. Well, I just want to take a moment to thank our listeners and our faithful monthly supporters who give generously to help keep the journey on the air. Because of friends like you, we're able to share God's Word with listeners around the country through the radio and internet, helping people meet God wherever they're at in their own life's journey. And when you give a generous gift today, whether it's a one-time or monthly, you'll help ensure that the clear biblical teaching on the journey continues to reach listeners throughout 2024. So would you give today? Just call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. When you do, we'll say thank you by sending you The Upper Room by John MacArthur. 
The events and teaching recorded in John 13 through 16, commonly known as the Upper Room Discourse, reveal some of the most poignant and powerful promises for believers in all of Scripture. Jesus was on the eve of his crucifixion, and any other man in that situation would have been in such a state of uncontrollable agitation that he would never have been able to focus his attention on the needs of others. But Jesus was different. He wanted his followers to know the peace of the one who has overcome the world. And The Upper Room is a book that offers insight into Christ's parting promises for troubled hearts. It's sure to be an encouragement to you and those you share it with. Request your copy today by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit our website, thejourney.fm. I'm Tim Spoboda. Be sure to come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve begins an uplifting message titled, Joy is a Gospel Fruit, Thursday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.